Cowboy Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 189, you heard that right, episode 189 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combos Court. Today's show, ESPN college basketball analyst Fran Frischilla joins in, a fantastic conversation with Fran, can't wait for you all to hear it. You could find Fran on Twitter at Fran Frischilla. That's F-R-A-N-F-R-A-S-C-H-I-L-L-A. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Fischilla, ESPN college basketball analyst. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? Doing good. Yeah, it's great to be with you. You know, it's crazy. Um, actually went to your basketball camp, grew up in Riverdale. Um, what are your what are your <laughs> memories? What are your memories of Riverdale? What are your memories of Manhattan College? Well, first of all, we worked hard to have a good summer camp. It was we great. Had, we had I, had I had the green and white basketball, took it everywhere, Fran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we took a lot of pride in that camp. We had a lot of neighborhood kids, obviously, from Riverdale. But it was a sleepover camp, so we had a lot of kids from uh, all parts of New York, Long Island, and uh, I treated that camp just like I would recruiting or coaching my team. And you know, we had a couple incidents in the dorm where we had a you know crack the whip on kids who were smashing Kit Kats into the carpeting. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we took we took the camp seriously. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great. It was great. Good old dratty gymnasium, man. Yeah, summertime, really hot. Uh, the snow cones were flowing in there. You know? Oh, that was great. I remember that. That was awesome. You know, the, uh, the secret to snow cones at a summer camp is the hotter it is, the less syrup you need. That's so. true. That's true. The less syrup, the less money you spend, more profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember, I remember like in the middle of October, my wife would go into our safe in our house in Westchester to go grocery shopping, and she'd have like these sticky $1 bills all together. She was using the snow cone money for the groceries. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fran, hate to put you on the spot. Who's the greatest Manhattan college player ever? Do we go with Lou Flores? Oh, man, I don't know now. You know, uh, Louie was a hell of a player. Um, there were some great players back in the old days, like uh, George Busey and Billy Campion, uh, Keith Bullock, who I coached one year. Wow, yeah, I remember him on that scoring list for sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I had some really good players on some of my good Manhattan teams. Um, you know, uh, gosh, Carrie Edwards is going into the Hall of Fame this year, and Hashimu Evans, who played for us for two years, and then I've hooped with Hashimu before. Great guy, yeah, great guy. Yeah, and Shimu was a great kid. When I went to St. John's, um, he wanted to come with me, but I couldn't. I couldn't do that to Manhattan College, but I had sent him to Kentucky's basketball camp uh, after his freshman year, and so he called me one day and he said, "Hey, coach, do you think you can call Coach Patino?" First of all, he asked me, can you, can I play at Kentucky? I said, yes. And so I called coach Patino. They took him and the rest is history. He had two great years, won a national championship there. And uh, so I had some really good players uh, among some of the greats that's ever played at Manhattan. 
Great stuff, man. Manhattan College, Dratty Gymnasium. I was always there hooping. Great stuff. Yeah. And I want to shift to the TBT. You and Bob did such a great job. I've had Bob on the show. Bob's a supporter of me on Instagram. Great guy. Great yeah. guy. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, they kept saying on TV, basketball is coming back July 31st. Basketball was here. Basketball <laughs> was here, Fran. Uh, we were like the, uh, we, we were like the uh, you know, when you go to a good restaurant and uh, we were, we were a great hors d'oeuvre, you know, we were, we were, uh, we were the uh, caprese salad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so we got off to it. We got a, we got summer basketball off to a good start TBT. They did a phenomenal job of keeping the players uh, in the bubble safe in Columbus. And actually Bob and I were in Indianapolis at a broadcast studio. Oh, wow. We, yeah. We weren't even really, cause we were, we were isolated from the players. But um, we kind of feel like um, we set the tone for the rest of the summer. And right now, the NBA is doing a fabulous job down in Orlando in the bubble. You did set the tone, and everything went well. And I think that's when people really started saying that we could do something with this. The one thing is, though, I wish some of these NBA games we could see the Elam ending. I think it would be pretty cool. You know, I'm, uh, first of all, what I love about the TBT is John Mugar – Andrew's always been cutting edge guy. I mean, just the whole idea of a winner take all tournament, that's cutting edge right there. And then you add the Elam ending and you add, uh, you know, the winner take all stuff. Um, and then the bubble this year, these, this guy, this who founded, he's, he founded the TBT. He's an outside the box thinker. And uh, I like the Elam ending. I think it's, I think it would be It's great for what it is. TBT, NBA all-star game. It was fabulous. Um, I think it would be great uh, overtime, you know, NBA overtime games, G League games, uh, AAU tournaments. I think I think uh, Elam Ending's got a place in basketball. I'm not sure I'd want it full-time in the NBA or the NCAA tournament. Fran, how did international basketball – I seen your tweet about Denmark, Fran. I played in Denmark, but I'm going to leave yeah. you alone. I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> I actually played there. Great country. But how did um, – how did – international basketball become your niche and were you recruiting international guys when you were a coach well interestingly at manhattan college i fell into a guy i, I knew his agent and he was a kid his name was geronimo bucero okay and geronimo uh, came and played for us at manhattan college um could have played professionally right away in in spain but he was a very bright kid and you know it's not it was not common 25 years ago as you know you played overseas you know, the, the bonus money for young, talented uh, Spaniards or Italians, right. you, never heard of, you never heard of a Spanish or an Italian kid coming to the States back then because they signed big bonus contracts, you know, bonuses right. when they were 16 or 17 or 18. And, um, but Geronimo was one of those kids that just wanted to go to college in the States. And he came to Manhattan College. And interestingly, he spoke very little English. Now, he ended up with a 3.97 in international economics, so he was a great student. But um, because of him, we took our team to Spain in the summer of 1995 at Manhattan College, and I had a little taste of international hoops by then. Um, Ettore Messina brought his Italian under-19 team over and played okay. us in a fall exhibition game. Um, I, I, I started to develop some friendships, but... Geronimo taking us back to Spain before his senior year, that was fabulous because we really got, I got a taste of international hoops that way. I fell in love with it. And then when I went to ESPN, um, my boss at ESPN said, hey, do you want to handle the international guys on the draft? And wow. at that time, one of our former Manhattan players, he didn't play for us all four years, a guy named Pete Philo. Okay. Um, 
Pete was an NBA scout, was running the Reebok Euro Camp in Treviso, Italy. And uh, I went over to cover it for ESPN. And between him and his boss, Donnie Nelson of the Mavericks, they said, hey, you got to coach at this camp. You can't just be here as a media guy. I coached at that camp for 12 straight years. I got to know most of the 75 guys we had drafted out of that camp. And about 50 of them are still playing in the league. So it was a really good opportunity for me to, to fall in love with international basketball. And I still love it. Yeah, I love it too. And I've spoke, that, I've spoke to the fact that I think there's three main things that have changed the NBA game. I would say one is analytics. Yeah. Um, I think Steph Curry has a lot to do with it too, his, his three-point yeah, shooting. And I, would say, yeah. and I would say the European game. Um, can you speak to the – Yeah. You, and correct me if I'm wrong if I, and if you could add something, but can yeah. you speak to how the European game changed the NBA game? Well, you're right on the money. And I, saw, I tell my European friends all the time, you know, um, I've become a connoisseur of European coaching. And the way I analogize it, Andrew, is, see, we taught the Europeans the game 50 years ago. Guys like Chuck Daly and Dr. Jack Ramsey and UB Brown. And uh, later on, Bob McKillop from Davidson, who's had so many international kids. Those guys took basketball to Europe and around the world in the summertime with clinics and things of that nature. And the way I describe it is, if we all go into the Louvre in Paris to see the Mona Lisa, the American coaches, we look, we're standing right in front of the Mona Lisa and we see a masterpiece. The Mona Lisa is basketball, okay? For you and me and a lot of others, that's our masterpiece, right? We love basketball. My European friends are in the Louvre with us. They're off to the side. They're not straight on. They're off to the side. They're looking at the Mona Lisa from a different angle, but it's still a masterpiece. And what they've done is they've taken our game and they've kind of figured out how to make it even, I wouldn't say better, but you know from playing overseas, like spread pick and roll, big guys that can play away from the basket, um, small ball in many ways. Four yeah, even when I first minutes. went over, the fours were like threes. You know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and in a lot of cases, the fives are fours. Right. 100%. 100%. You know, so what's happened is those guys who learned the game from us 50 years ago, 40 years ago, they're actually, I don't want to say teaching us the game, but in some ways, when you watch an NBA game or a college game, a lot of that influence now has been brought back over here by Mike D'Antoni, who coached in, in Italy for many years. And did he play in Italy? Did D'Antoni play? He played many years in Italy, yeah. Right. So the game is now a global game. A quarter of the NBA this past season was born outside the United States, to your point. And even the coaching is really having an impact on our American game. I think it's fabulous. Here's what I tell my friends in basketball. The basketball globe has shrunk. It's right. Shrunk. You know, right. a lot of that's because of social media, right, Fran? Well, I think it's social media recently, but I also think it's the law. You know, let's face it. In 1992, when we, you and I, you know, watched the Dream Team play, you were just a little kid coming to my camp. But, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, Pau Gasol was a little kid back then. You know, Dirk was a kid. Um, you know, Ricky Rubio was a little kid. Uh, so that Dream Team, and we've talked to NBA guys about this, the foreign kids. Those guys that are now like the Gasol, you know, uh, generation, they all say that it was the dream team that spurred their interest in basketball. Because you know from being overseas that soccer's number one. That's, that's, that's clear. But basketball is definitely right now number two. 100%. And so, 
And so the game, the game is, uh, you know, we all share this game we love. Doesn't yeah. matter where you're from. It's cool. It, it's funny because you know the soccer influence on European basketball players is so funny. And I think when some people are like watching Luca, they don't realize why he's laying on the floor for that long because yeah. that's what they do in soccer, man. Like, no, well, if you've, I'll tell you what, every gym I've ever been in to cover a game where a kid is a foreign, like a international player, but he might be from Nigeria. He could be from Serbia. He could be from France. They know they, every one of them knows how to dribble a soccer ball. Like, oh yeah. Know. I mean, I remember like after we won a game, we would play soccer the next day, like to warm yeah. up for practice. Yeah. That was the worst. Be, I mean, yeah. they're just naturally good. Like it's great. Well, you know what? Like Steve Nash, right. He loves soccer. You look at his footwork. If I had to do one thing differently, I think, in terms of, like, preseason conditioning, I think we would have played some indoor soccer with my yeah. team. Yeah, you got you to gotta mix it up, Fran. Yeah, you mix yeah. It up. It's, yeah. It's good agility. It's, it's fun. But all those European players all know how to dribble a soccer ball, every one of them. For sure. Uh, Fran, you coach for a long time. You're in media now. Uh, how has the shift been for you? Do you miss the competition? I'm sure it's less stress, but how has it been for yeah. you, Fran? Well, I made, a, I made a lifestyle decision 17 years ago. My kids were little. I left coaching uh, at 43. I had gone to eight postseasons in nine years. Right. Andrew, I, I, I fell into ESPN, and I, I fell into a lifestyle that I love because I got a chance to watch my, my two boys grow up. And we have a family business now because I have one son who's with the Orlando Magic in the video room. Wow. And my, I have another son. And these guys grew up at Manhattan College running around. Like were they in the guys. camp with me? Uh, they, you probably saw him at camp. Yeah. You saw him. I vaguely camp. remember that so long ago. Yeah. Friend. <laughs> yeah. And I my older guy, my older guy's 28 now he's with Steve Clifford and my younger guy's 25. He's, he's at Villanova with Jay Wright. So, um, those guys are in the family business. And so I made that decision to stay home with them in the summers. I don't regret it at all. Cause I got a chance to, uh, still do the basketball. I do bad. I'm, I'm a basketball junkie, 365. I watch tape every day, but I got to hang out with those guys. And uh, I, I did miss teaching and coaching, but I also felt like I needed to be around them so they, they could grow up with a father because I was somebody else's father for the first 23 years. 100%. And the last 17 or 18, I've actually been a father to two sons who are now in basketball. So it's worked out well. I've had a good life so far. Fran, uh, you're part of ESPN. ESPN's covering the NBA. What effect do you think the bubble um, of fan, these fanless games have on the actual gameplay? Nothing else, just the gameplay. Oh, I think it's a good question, man. I think now that these guys – now, you got to keep in mind, we're coming down to the end of the regular season, right, in the bubble. Right. So, certain nights you'll see uh, uh, Kawhi's not playing tonight. I think, I think James Harden's not playing tonight, but Russell Westbrook will, and this guy's resting. Greek Freak's not playing. But when everybody has played with their full complement of guys – I think the I think I think it's been off the charts how good with the, you how good, how good the basketball is. So I think when we get to playoff time in, in the next week or two, it's going to be unbelievable. Do you think load management will be implemented in the playoffs, like during the playoffs, because there's games every other day? Uh, only if it's a guy. No, only if it's a guy that's nursing an injury that you say, hey, if we play him, you know, on Saturday and then Monday, that he he could risk getting hurt or you know straining something but no i think it's going to be a full out because uh there's no travel unlike the playoffs you're not traveling from houston to Golden State. you know you pretty much get on a bus go to the arena play the game have 48 hours to recover um they're not going to practice much because 
they're pretty much doing walkthroughs right now. I think the level of play in the playoffs is going to be maybe as good as it's ever been because of what I said, no travel, who's playing better tonight and who's going to be better in a best of seven. Fran, if you were building a franchise or, and you could only have Luca or only Giannis, who would you go with? Oh man. Well, Two great international players. Oh man. How about those guys, man? And you yeah. know, I wouldn't throw Jokic in there at that level, but, but man, he's, right he's there. not far behind, right? You know, hundred percent. These international guys are unbelievable what they're doing, you know, and and even the even the solid role players and they're all and actually Siakam is is I was just going to say Jokic, you know that's what I mean, you know, yeah, Siakam, they're all right there, yeah, but yeah, but you got a lot of guys like that, you know, that are really ha- having an impact. Man, I I still have to go Giannis because he just can dominate a game on both ends. But, you know, Giannis is also – and I saw him when he was 18. um, But Giannis is probably now trying to think, what, 25 maybe, 26 at the most. The people in the NBA that I know tell me that he wants to be the greatest ever. You know what? Um, He's on his way to being one of the top five, six, seven players of all time. Wow. That's no question. But, I mean, what Luca did the other night, uh, it was amazing. And he's only 21. So – you know, he is he the I think to me he's the next incarnation. He's a combination of bird and magic together. Yeah. You know, he and he's a, he's an amazing passer, rebounder, ball handler, playmaker. He's a point guard like magic. He's got the feel of the game like both bird and magic. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm dating myself, but <laughs> that's how talented you know I think he is really. Fran, um, Lakers. I mean. You're a great coach, friend. Do you think they could flip the switch? Actually, I thought they were the only ones that didn't need to flip the switch. I thought they were the only ones playing championship-level basketball before this bubble started. Do you think – I think they'll look a lot different when the, playoffs yeah. start, when the playoffs start. What do you think? I do. I do. I think as long as LeBron and AD are on the court and healthy, um, they, they're, they, have a chance to, they have a chance to win 16 games. There's no question. I mean, if you look at right now going into the playoffs here in the next two weeks – you know, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks for sure. And then, you know, I, I think, I think uh, wild cards would certainly be Rockets, Celtics, and uh, Raptors for sure. You know, there'll be no six teams. But as long as you've got a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, I give them a great chance to win the whole thing. And out of those sleeper teams you mentioned, who do you like? I, I mean, I think the Rockets are the most fascinating team. They just – you know, they're doing yeah. things different. They're doing things different. They do. They do. They don't have a guy that they're going to play that's over 6'7". You know, PJ That's Tucker. crazy, Fran. Wow. Yeah. But I think, I think if the Raptors are healthy, they, they still have the, they have the heart of a champion. You know, Lowry yeah. and Gasol and Siakam. And I'm watching tonight their role. If you look at the Raptors, man, they're role players. You know, Fred Van Vliet. I'm watching Matt Thomas tonight, who I covered at Iowa State, who's, you know, last time I checked, he had 17 knocking down threes. Uh, you know, OG Ananobi, um, Norman Powell. That's a tough, hard-nosed group. You think about it, every one of their top eight or nine or ten are really good defenders. Fran, a few more before we get out of here. Uh, yeah. Analytics. Um, a lot of three-point shots. We want to get your free throws. We want to get your open layups. But I do see some things going back towards the mid-range, like OKC. Yeah. I mean, every trend has a tipping point. Do you think it'll go back to some more mid-range game in the next few yeah. years? I do. I do because – what happens is, and my buddy Jeff Van Gundy says, talks about this on TV, in the playoffs, teams are chasing you off to the, off the three-point line. And right. the, way teams, the way teams are playing pick and roll right now is they're dropping their big guy all the way back into the lane. We actually call it a drop coverage. And, the, and so 
really good guards get into what I call the high paint. That's that, that's that area right inside the foul line. And you've got to have, I think, especially in playoff time, a very uh, sound high paint game where you can knock down those 14 footers because that's what the defense has given you for large parts of the game. And all you got to think about is, uh, is uh, Kawhi Leonard last year. And, and he, I mean, even Steph and KD were getting to the mid-range a lot. They did. They, they, they knocked down the long ball, but they, they can also live in, the, in that 15-foot range. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think you got you – you know, listen, um, you, you can talk about, you know, dunks or threes, but when a team takes away your threes, I'd rather take a really high percentage two than a low percentage three. Right. And I think it's like, it's like a good baseball pitcher. You, you know, you just can't win with a fastball. You've got to have a curve and a changeup. And so good teams can score at the rim. They can score at the foul line. They can make threes, but they also got to have, I think, that mid-range game when a, when a good defense forces you to take those shots. Fran, uh, with the pandemic, what do you think college sports will look like this year? Do you think we'll have college basketball? No idea. No idea. That's the obvious, honest answer. Right. Based on what we've seen in, with college football the last couple of days, no idea. Hoping and praying because what we have – College basketball has one thing on its side that college football doesn't have, and that is three more months. So by that time, we'll know whether the NBA bubble worked, the NHL worked, what happens if some college football does get underway. What are the protocols? Because it's non-bubble. It's on campus. Can college basketball simulate some sort of bubble conference by conference? Remember, school's going to let out for most schools in America this year because of the virus right at Thanksgiving. And a lot of schools aren't going to go back until February. So can we have a two-month uh, window where we can create, let's say, in the Big 12, the Big East, the ACC, conference by conference, uh, a couple bubbles? Maybe the Big 12 has a nine-game bubble in December. Maybe they have another nine-game bubble in January and early February. You know, bring all the teams to one wow. city, no fans. So what I'm, what I'm pointing out, Andrew, is – college basketball and Dan Gavitt, who basically is in charge of college basketball. I once, he once, he would, he once worked with me at Providence college when he was our grad assistant under Rick Barnes. Okay. Very smart guy. He has three months to figure this out. We hope he does. Cause uh, I think the country is uh, going to be mentally, honestly, I mean this scarred mentally if we don't get back to normal soon when it comes to our playground of life, which is, you know, the NBA, major leagues, NFL, college basketball, and football. Agree. Uh, Fran, thanks for being here. I enjoyed your basketball camp so much as a kid, and I really enjoyed <laughs> this conversation. This is a conversation I've been wanting to have. Um, hey. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. You're always welcome back. Please let my listeners w- know where they can find you on social media or anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, at Fran Forshella, uh, I'm a prolific tweeter. I put a lot of basketball. Speaks, you speak your mind, Fran. You speak your yeah, mind. Yeah, I try to. And I also try to help young coaches and, and fans. Okay. I put a lot of basketball stuff up there. Um, uh, so, yeah, I do. I try to speak my mind um, because I have an opinion. I have, I'm have. i a former coach. I love the game. I have a passion for college basketball. And uh, at Fran Freshella, you know, I put a lot of stuff up there. And uh, it's a lot of good basketball stuff. Fran, you're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Andrew. Glad to be with you. And uh, hey, uh, Riverdale, baby. Love that place. Riverdale all day, Fran. <laughs> See you, man. Have a great one. Okay. Bye-bye.
There it is. Episode 189 of Combo's Court is in the books. Big thanks to Fran for joining in. We appreciate you. And big shouts to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 190. Combo out.